So more than a dozen countries recognize the British monarch as their head of state. That includes us, of course, but also places including New Zealand, Australia, Belize, Jamaica, Papua New Guinea, and the Solomon Islands, and others. And in some, the debate over whether or not to sever ties with the monarchy may be reignited by the death of the Queen, sparked, of course, by the reality that in many places, Charles traditionally has not been nearly as popular or as well-loved as his mother was. And Australia could be one of those places. Already the leader of the country's Green Party, Adam Bant, in posting condolences to the Queen on social media, or the Queen's family rather, added, now Australia must move forward, saying we need a treaty with First Nations people and we need to become a republic. And there's a history there. The Republican movement in Australia has certainly been more vocal than here in Canada. But what alternative they may have or what the alternative may look like has always been divisive within Republican ranks. Part of why back in 1999, I hope I get this right, a national referendum on becoming a republic was defeated roughly 55% to 45%. So what does the future hold for Australia and its new king? Joining me now is Ben Jones. He's a constitutional historian at Western Sydney University in New South Wales in Australia. Uh, Thanks for your time tonight. Uh, Always a pleasure to speak to a fellow Ben, uh, though if you don't mind me uh, uh, just correcting you there, but I'm actually at Central Queensland University now in in Queensland. There, my, my mistake, Central Queensland University in Queensland. Um, I should have updated that. I actually saw that on your Twitter account and should have updated that. We'll get off to it. So just the reaction. I mean, it's been, you know, here, obviously, the Queen was well, well liked as, as, as a person and as a monarch. What's the, what's the situation been like where you are? Uh, very much the same. Uh, the Queen, at a personal level, has uh, enormous admiration. And uh, you did mention in your introduction that uh, the Greens, which uh, in Australia uh, aren't the main left party, the Labor Party is there, the uh, sort of further left uh, minor party, uh, did make some remarks that uh, I think a lot of people thought was in bad taste. But yes, uh, there's there's a difference, I suppose, with the attitude towards the monarchy as an institution and the the Queen as a person and as a monarch, and certainly in Australia well, as well, the uh, the Queen was very much respected and is uh, is being mourned uh, here as as she is in your country. Yeah, I mean, tell me a bit about the Republican movement in Australia because we've seen it sort of from afar. Obviously, as Canadians, we pay attention to other Commonwealth countries who have the monarch as a head of state and how there may be agitations to cut ties. Uh, how has that been over the last uh, since you know in this century, for instance? Well, again, as you mentioned, there was a referendum in 1999 and it was defeated, but it did show that the monarch is no longer a unifying element. So the high watermark of uh, support and admiration for monarchy probably was in the 1950s, especially 54, when the Queen uh, came to Australia for the first time. And the Part of the longevity of it has been that party politics can divide us, but then we're united under uh, the monarch, who was the symbol of Britishness, and Australians certainly in the 1950s saw themselves as British Australians. As Australia became more independent, moving into the 80s and 90s, there was a move to uh, change that, and and 45% of people supported that uh, move. In this century... uh, 
Initially, it's uh, the attitude has been, well, we had a vote and the vote was no, so let's forget about it. But a lot of this support actually is for the Queen and former Prime Minister, uh, a Conservative Prime Minister, I should add, but also a strong Republican, Malcolm Turnbull, has uh, made a differentiation saying that Australians are more Elizabethans than, monarch, uh, than monarchists. And so especially now with her passing, although uh, there'll be a period of mourning, the discussion, I think, is going to come back about if Australia wants to continue with its constitutional arrangements or look again at a more popular model of republic that might pass a referendum. Now, the process to change that here in Canada, as you might be aware, is quite complicated. You need all 10 provinces and the federal government to agree to it. So it's near impossible that it could happen even if there was a lot of popular support for it, because undoubtedly there would be provinces where it wouldn't be popular. How does it work in Australia? Uh, we have a very high bar as well, but not as not quite as high as in Canada. We have to have an overall majority of people and a majority of the states. But because we only have six states, uh, that means four out of six states have to vote yes, as well as an overall majority. So since we federated in 1901, we've had uh, 44 uh, referendum questions put and uh, only eight of those have got up, even though some of them actually did have a majority uh, overall. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a hard mountain to climb. Yeah, certainly. With uh, That's surprising, actually, because normally referenda do, do okay. I mean, in France, they used to use them all the time. De Gaulle used to use them all the time, right? So eight on 44 is a pretty low mark. Tell me about Prince Charles, or at least King Charles, in Australia. I know there's been many. Uh, obviously, we watch the royal visits, you know, when they come here and certainly when they go there. Uh, he's been to Australia many, many times, as far as I can tell. He has quite a close relationship with the country. Uh, yes, that's true. And uh, back in the 1980s, it was actually uh, rumoured that he was trying to get uh, posted as our Governor General. But uh, by that time, there was a pretty strong protocol that it should always be an Australian uh, to serve in that role. So, yes, he's very well known. But uh, in terms of a move to a republic, he, uh, in my estimation anyway, he doesn't quite have that uh, aura around him that the Queen does. And part of that isn't his fault. The media uh, between, certainly from the 1950s to today, is just so much more invasive. And he's had his uh, phone hacked and sort of embarrassing personal details of his life have come out. And I suppose that takes away some of the mystique and the romanticism uh, of the royal family and uh, and with uh, the royal scandals and the issues uh, in their marriages and those sorts of things, it very much humanises them. And I suppose that then leads to the next question, well, why does this particular family automatically, through birthright, get to be the head of our nation? Yeah, I think you. I read a quote that you gave that it would be a shock to the system when, when Australians uh, were, would start to see sort of things that were once Elizabeth become King Charles instead, you know, the sort of the, the portraits and, and the, the coins and all the things that we have as well. Uh, but that it would be a shock to the system would be a real, would be jarring. And that in a country where severing ties with the monarchy is somewhat simpler than it is here, that it might lead people to really start questioning, well, wait a second, why, why is this hierarchical monarchical situation, you know, this monarchy still relevant to us? I, I think that's right. And yes, the coins are a very uh, a very visual representation and reminder that we are under a monarchy. 
And uh, I imagine uh, that Canadian news is also asking what will happen to uh, to your currency. There's been lots of news uh, reports in Australia about what the process will be. And I suppose uh, to anyone who's under 70, uh, basically, uh, the, the Queen has just been this constant. But we are used to being consulted in a democracy pretty regularly about what we think about this and what we think about that. But with uh, constitutional monarchy, uh, people are having a bit of a shock to the system in realising that when it comes to our head of state, when it comes to uh, things like the coins and, uh, you know, our legal system, as with yours, or the QCs overnight have turned into KCs. And Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of things that actually happen at the moment without public consultation or debate. Yeah, no, that was an interesting one as well, when all of a sudden, I think even the day of yesterday, a lot, there was all these announcements coming out from our provincial courts about QCs to Casey's and uh, and such. And of course, a lot of uh, court cases involved the mention of the Queen and and so forth. So that all had to change quickly. I, that'll, I gather, will be relatively easy. Uh, when it comes to the currency and so on, here at least it's going to take time. They've already said, listen, it's not something that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, yes, it'll be the same in Australia because they, they do, of course, update the coins anyway uh, over the Queen's uh, long reign, uh, our, our coins and yours as well. Uh, they periodically update them and they go out of circulation anyway. So, uh, yes, I, I don't think uh, we're rushing over here, but the Royal Mint have uh, uh, noted that they'll uh, get those portraits and start introducing them into circulation I suppose uh, for collectors, um, it'll be uh, a matter of put some of them in a in a uh, coin jar, and your great great grandchildren will actually find it a rarity to see a Queen Elizabeth face. As today, you might have an old King George uh, penny from right. the twenties or thirties. Ben Jones is with us this half hour from Australia. He's a senior lecturer in history at Central Queensland University. We're talking about to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, the Ascended to the throne of King Charles III and what impact that may have. We've talked about it both in a Canadian context and whether that may push more Canadians to consider our ties to the monarchy. Of course, the the the, the whole method with which we would untie ourselves in the monarchy in this country is very complicated. In Australia, it's a bit less complicated. And they've tried it. There was a referendum back in 1999. It was defeated 55% to 45%. But still, 45% of a population in a referendum about something to change something is pretty significant. I was reading something that you'd written, Ben, that was really interesting just about, and you've written a lot about the royal family over the years and just the impact that sort of the comings and goings, the scandals can have. Has there been, do you think, with the Queen gone, is there any chance that the next generation, you know, William and Kate, uh, now the Prince and Princess of Wales, um, will be able to guard the sort of the, un, you know, sometimes the unpopularity of Charles in places such as Australia. To an extent, I think that's true. They're uh, obviously a very uh, photogenic uh, couple and uh the, especially the uh, photos of them with their kids, which are always uh, very cute, uh, are always popular, uh, particularly in uh, the gossip magazines and uh, sort of light-hearted news stories. So uh, in marketing terms, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, they're a plus uh, for the monarchy. But looking at the history of it, I don't think they quite have the impact that uh, Charles and Diana did. And particularly when they came to Australia in 1988, right. uh, Diana was just an absolute 
fashion icon. She really actually overshadowed uh, Charles. I'm not sure if it was the same when she uh, when they visited Canada, but uh, but uh, yeah, she was a real sensation and. Um, and uh, again, and then at, at the time, uh, 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 William himself was only a baby. So we've sort of see, see, seen this before in the previous generation that there's all there's always interest in royal uh, weddings and royal uh, births. But despite the, their enormous popularity in 1988, it was then the 90s that really was the decade of Australia seriously considering becoming a republic. So I think to most Australians, there is a sort of disconnect that you can enjoy them as a celebrity couple. Uh, you can enjoy, uh, you know, watching the latest thing um, that that Kate might be wearing, as as previous uh, uh, previous generation did for Diana. But there's a disconnect between that and thinking about a serious constitutional question if you want to continue with the monarchy. So I think rather than the popularity or unpopularity of a particular monarch or a particular member of the royal family, it's more to do with political leadership. So the key thing that happened, I think, in Australia was uh, from 1991, Australia had a Labor Prime Minister, Paul Keating, who was strongly pro-Republican. And he was able to articulate that in a way that seemed to bring people with him. He never attacked the royals. In fact, he went out of his way to say how much he admired the Queen, but uh, but, but expressed it as a a vision of Australian nationhood that uh, we can almost say, thanks, thanks for everything, but we can take it from here. And that's what really built up a lot of momentum for the Republic. So I think uh, Canada's probably uh, hasn't had quite a prime minister yet who's had that particular passion. And that may be why two otherwise quite similar countries, one has sort of had this Republican decade in the 90s and the other hasn't. Yeah, I mean, there are, of course, being neighbors with the U.S. who are a republic uh, has has its influences, of course. You know, it differentiates us to be a constitutional monarchy here. Monarchy here, I think there is a lot of latent support for the monarchy because of that, not necessarily over-the-top support for the institution itself, but just an acceptance that as a constitutional monarchy, it, it differentiates ourselves from some of the chaos that we witness uh, in America. But you're right. It would, it would take, I imagine, in a country like Australia, it would take a positive campaign about how this change makes sense for a modern Australia to rid itself of, of you know, the history of the monarchy in the country and move on. And um, I mean, I, I imagine it would have to be something like that. It would have to be uh, uh, delivered to the Australian people in a way that, that made them proud to make the change. Yes, I think that's right. And uh, just on the US, uh, we, we don't uh, compare ourselves to them quite as much as I imagine happens in Canada. But even over here, one of the first things Republicans need to assure people is we don't mean going to a US presidential system. And uh, particularly after uh, the, the recent uh, US president, uh, there's actually been a uh, a sense of, well, we're better off sticking with uh, the monarchy. So one of the arguments the Republicans need to say is we're actually, we want to keep a Westminster system as well. We don't want to switch to a presidential system and that uh, in an Australian republic, we would have a figurehead, uh, symbolic head of state in the way that the Queen currently is. And I think you're right also that it has to be a uh, positive campaign because there's there's too much goodwill towards certainly towards the Queen but towards Britain in general uh, we're still close 
uh, trading partners. We've been uh, allies in major world wars. And uh, I certainly don't think any sort of attacking Britain is the way forward for Republicans. But the other thing, the other lesson I would take from 99, though, is the model that was put. They were under such strains to say, look, this will be a small, safe step uh, that they had Parliament would just appoint someone. And that that got uh, a lot of actual Republicans offside because they thought, well, if we're going to become a Republic, surely we should at least vote for the person who will have that role. But then there's a certain contradiction, I suppose, like why bother voting for them if they're not like a US president? Why would you be so passionate about voting for someone who is essentially going to be the ribbon cutter and and the titular head? Right. Well, the devil is always in the details. Um, I have just about 90 seconds left, but I thought they were supposed to come. I thought the Republican movement was supposed to come up with a definitive plan sometime this year and sort of present it. Uh, Did that not happen? uh, No, it it did happen. Um, And uh, if if you'll excuse the immodesty, it's actually based on a model that I uh, that I uh, wrote. And so they're putting forward. Well, this is the Australian Republic movement. So you'll have to get me back on because I can talk about this all day. Essentially, uh, it's a hybrid model where every state parliament and the federal parliament will put forward a nominee and then there'll be a general vote for that. So it sort of brings together both sides. Well, that sounds logical. Ben, thank you so much for your time tonight. We will talk again. I'm sure this will come up again in the next little while because I think we're going to be talking about this for a bit as King Charles settles in. Thank you so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.